The Matt Hasselback Show. Presented by Infinity of Bellevue and Linwood. Seahawks legend Matt Hasselback takes you inside the Seahawks and the NFL for a full hour. Exclusively on the Mike Sox Show. All right, we are here. We got Matt Hasselback with us. And I mentioned to you off air, Matt, not to confuse you here, but... Michael Bumpus and Mike Lefko, so a lot more mics to deal with. No salt today, but we're throwing the mics at you in full force. Yeah, you are. And uh, you know, when Bump was when we were teammates, you know, sometimes I would say Big Mike. You know, he's not that big, but you know, but uh, <laughs> so you got to be Michael, and then we got a Mike and a Michael today. I like it. We're good. You could just go by last names. I think Bump, yeah, Lefko, yeah. or uh, Bump. Yeah. Did you see this one? So one of the texters, and we can explain the backstory. They said Baby Bell and Bump. So that's what you could call us. Um, okay. it's, Baby Bill. I have trouble eating cheese, so that was the oh. that was the dynamic there. But yeah, okay. we'll have some fun here. How, how are you so, today? So so listen, you guys know who Wally Pip is, right? Yeah, that could be Mike yep. Sock. Just you know, the, the, the precedent <laughs> has been set. Let's go. Um, you can mention that to him. I won't bring that up, but okay. I'll I'll let you mention that to him next week. We'll this, let the list. We'll let the listeners. Well. we'll let the listeners mention that. Yeah, um, I think. Well, you you probably know this as well, maybe for good or bad, that everyone's a fan of the backup quarterback, right? Well, usually yeah. uh, until the backup goes exactly. in, you know that then that happens. It, 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 listen, it's uh, it's it's tough territory, especially. Uh, when you're losing, you know, like everything's wrong. Like your every your favorite meals don't even taste good. Like it, your dog doesn't like you as much. It's just uh, <laughs> it, they say winning cures all things, and uh, it's true. And then the opposite is true. And so there's a lot of teams around the league right now who are looking at their record and they're saying, "What on earth happened?" And the Seahawks are, are certainly one of those teams. Yeah. Well, I mean, I just meant like Bump and I are the backup quarterbacks, so people like us now, but they won't uh, in a few weeks. But uh, well, yeah. I thought you were. I thought you were talking about all the negativity that comes uh, with the three. And seven record. That's because that's that's, that's hard to escape. Like you don't even have to go looking for it. It's just uh, it's hard to escape. I'm not sure if I was ever three and seven, but uh, but I, I can remember being like zero oh and four, and it's like it's it's a tough it's a tough road, especially when you work so hard to uh, to get wins each week. Hey man, we heard some people talk about this Seahawk offense, so I went back and looked at the film. They're like, look. It's it's too basic. It's pedestrian. And I'm watching this. I went back specifically and watched the Arizona Cardinals game. And I look at the quick game, and I see lots of options. I'm like, all right, man, you got your guy in the flag, got your media, your back's getting leaked out. But then I go to this to the deep balls, and it looks like they're relying on two-man concepts to, to really have these big hitter plays. Um, what are you seeing with this offense when it comes to trying to take a shot down the field? Yeah, listen, I mean, like, uh, the, my overall statement on the offense right now is there just doesn't seem to be enough precision to it. You know, you, you mix it up. You have five-man protections where you're throwing five guys out in routes. Then you take shots where usually you're leaving people into block or you, you're leaving people into check. Uh, check release. You only have 11 guys. So, like, if you're gonna, if you're gonna block people up and give your quarterback more time to throw, then yeah, it's gonna be two or three man routes. But, like, I, I just don't see the same precision that you see in other offenses around the league right now. It's, it's more like, uh, a hope and a prayer, you know, or it's like, hey, uh, quarterback go scramble around and maybe Tyler Lockett will break free on a second move and that's where we're getting our big plays. I, I just there needs to be more layups for me. There need to be more completions. Yeah. There need to be less sacks. Uh, certainly less sack fumbles. It's just you know like it, I don't think it's that far away from clicking, but but right now it's just it's not clicking. Hey Matt, Tyler Lockett said this week that he's seeing defenses not play what they show on film. 
Did you hear that? Or we can play that for you if you haven't. Yeah, no, I I, heard I heard. I well, I read it. Yeah. So what what do you make of that? That he's going out there and saying, well, no, these defenses aren't playing what we're seeing out of them. Yeah, I, I you know I I thought it was a little bit of a reckless thing to say. Uh, I think I know what he's talking about. Two times, two times on third down. They played a coverage that they hadn't shown probably in their breakdown. But if you do enough homework and you know Vance Joseph, like they've shown it, like it, it's not they're not there's not that much respect for this offense that people are reinventing uh, brand new things for just them. Um, there's there's just not. So there were two big plays in the in the game. One was a third down in the red zone. Um, Probably a little bit of a touchdown opportunity, if uh, you know, if not fooled by the coverage. But I just thought it was a great, great plan by um, Vance Joseph and the Arizona Cardinals. But, but again, you know, I, I counted two times where where there was something unique. Matt, you've played with some some great running backs. Um, Sean Alexander should be one of them. Now, Russell Wilson does not have his great running back or good running back in Chris Carson. How does that change the game plan? And do you expect? the Seahawks to lean on Russell to kind of win these games even more now that 32 isn't there. Yeah, listen, Chris Carson losing him is a huge, huge loss, right? And, you know, you mentioned Sean Alexander. It was Ricky Waters before that and, you know, Marshawn Lynch at, at the end. And, and that's an, that's an important piece of the puzzle, but this is the NFL and you got to overcome that. I mean, you really can't make an excuse about injuries when you, when you literally just played Arizona's B team. Like they had, they didn't have their starting running back. They were they basically James Conner was the star that day. They didn't have Kyler Murray, their starting quarterback. They didn't have DeAndre Hopkins, their starting wide receiver. So, like, you got to overcome that. And and I think the committee that the running uh, at the running back position that the Seahawks have is good enough. It's it's good enough. Like they they could overcome this. Like how they started out that game, it was a run. I think it was Penny started the game. It doesn't really matter who starts the game. It was like a great run up the middle, right? And then a then a little naked bootleg. That's how a lot of teams start the game. It was a start fast. It was great. And then on second and four, it's a sack fumble. And then now it's third and 10 and it's a sack. And, and now we're you know you're punting. Like that's your start. So to me, sack sacks are drive killers. And sack fumbles, you're, you're asking for trouble. So it's more like you just got to stay ahead of it if you're going to be a team that's committed to the run. And the teams that are playing really good football right now are committed to the run. Like running the ball does not go out of style. I know Seattle wants to run the ball. But then if you get behind it with, with sack opportunities or negative plays or penalties, you just you get away from what you want to do, and that's run the football. Matt, when you had a, a new offensive coordinator or a guy who maybe stepped in and you were still getting used to him, did it take a little time to get adjusted? I, I guess my point is that Shane Waldron comes in, has the, the mantra of, oh, Rams flair and the, the flashy, up-tempo you know, illusions of complexity that the Rams offense had, but he's a first-time play caller and a, a first-year offensive coordinator. Are we not giving him enough leeway that, okay, it's going to take some time, or does he have to kind of start making some adjustments to help out this offense? Yeah, that's that's a real thing. I mean, two humans coming into a brand new role, working together, you know, that kind of thing. But again, that that happens all around the league. And you know, it's what is it? We're going into week twelve now. Like, I just I have a hard time pointing to that. I, I think it's simple stuff. Like each person, each player, each coach, they got to do their job perfectly. And there's just some things like. 
I don't know, just some unacceptable things. Like Mike Holmgren, we, there was a there was a t- uh, time and a place when the Robbie Tobeck and I we would fumble a snap at practice, or Sean Alexander and I would miss on a pitch play or or, a, or, or something like a toss play. And I had like this major flashback in the second quarter of the Seahawks game this week. It's second and six. And Russell Wilson pitches the ball to Alex Collins, and he's expecting a handoff, but Russ tosses it. So there's a miscommunication. And I had this flashback of Mike Holmgren just screaming at us like Pop Warner kids could complete a toss in the backfield. And I pay them with milk and cookies. I'm paying you in millions of dollars. Like this is absolutely unacceptable. And he was so, he was so hard on us with that kind of stuff. And it was like, I'm not going to let you do anything until you can prove that you can toss the ball on a sweep and quarterback and it's like sort of humiliating quarterback and running backs we're all staying after practice till we can toss the ball on a sweep literally things that you were doing since you were nine years old and so like to to go even past that like what are we doing that we can't communicate effectively is it a toss or is it a handoff that would be like the mike holmgren way to handle that situation so like i I don't even think you're getting you're not even getting to like the chemistry of X's and O's and other things, because there's just these like really, really simple things that can be fixed. Matt, these Hawks are three and seven back in 08 when we played, we were four and 12 and it was tense in that locker room, tense for a free agent wide receiver who I knew it wasn't going to get much playing time. I would assume as a quarterback, it's a bit different for you guys. Can you kind of give us an insight of what it's like in the facility when your team isn't playing well, you're the leader of the ball club and just the feel around that whole situation. Yeah, 08 was the worst year, easily the worst year of my career. You know, I got hurt that year. I had a back injury. Um, We were banged up all across the board. But, like, when you're losing, the guys that are banged up, you're even trying even harder to get it back out there. Like, there were games where, looking back now, I would say, man, I I should have never played in there in that game. I'm trying trying to be out there to help the team and, like, send a message and we're tough and we're, you know, like, all this stuff. But, like, truly, I think I'm actually hurting the team because... Because I'm not, I'm like, it's not so much a toughness issue. It's, it's a, it's an ability to do your job well kind of an issue. And, and it is hard because, you know, again, the, the pressure is there when you, when you're losing and guys start pressing and people start doing more than their job or other things. But, but I think one of the lessons for me, just going back to that 08 season, which, which again was, was a hard year for everybody. It's, uh, you know, like do your job. Like if, if, if I'm the quarterback, my job is to just play quarterback better and, 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 and not try to say, oh, well, you know, you know what we should be doing in the running game. You know, you know what we should be doing on defense. How can we do this on special teams? You know what, you know what our GM needs to do? He needs to go out and get these kinds of players. You know what we need in the draft next year? Why'd we do that? Like that, that's toxic. And, and that's a, that's essentially what I think, like looking back on my career, what, what sometimes happens on a team that's struggling. Um, and it's just not healthy. Could that be something that's kind of going on with Russell Wilson right now? I mean, pressing no, I can't, a little I, bit or no? I, I can't speak to him yeah. necessarily, but I can just remember, like, you know, when my career or even just being around other quarterbacks from the beginning of my career, it was Brett Favre. The end of my career was Andrew Luck. And I think, like, the coaching point was, you know, in those quarterback meeting rooms, and I had great coaches. Like, I, honestly, I, I could, can't imagine having a better group of quarterback coaches in my in my career. Andy Reid with Brett Favre at the end. It was Clyde Christensen with uh, Andrew Luck, and the, the the coaching point was this: Hey, 
you need to be the solution, but you don't need to be the solution by bringing up uh, suggestions about what we can do in other areas of this team or other areas of this building. What we need you to do is throw two more interceptions and sorry, throw two more touchdowns and two less interceptions. That was the coaching point to Brett Favre. That was the coaching point to Andrew Luck. And so I, I think that would be like a, a healthy look in the mirror thing for any quarterback. And I'm and I'm not necessarily even talking about uh, the Seahawks in this situation. But the the danger is for for all players when things aren't really going your way is to kind of look around and trying to do other people's jobs instead of, um, you know, really you have the ability to to make the most most effective change usually at your position, um, usually. Hey, man, I'm going to switch it up a little bit. Um, We've had a great run of of quarterbacks in this league, man. We've seen Drew Brees, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, Russell Wilson. And now there's a new wave coming in, right? These guys are kind of towards the end of their career. Who's some of your favorite young quarterbacks in the league right now that you feel will will carry the torch other than the obvious Patrick Mahomes? Yeah, like the fun guys to watch from a home. Like my kid, you know, I have a sophomore, and every throw, like when we're playing catch, it's like Patty Mahomes, you know, Josh Allen, you know, Lamar Jackson, you know, like those guys. And and though there's certainly like a ton of talent there, but but I think the guys that are going to be in it at the end are still some of the same names. It's still going to be the Brady's and the Dax and the Aaron Rodgers and you know some of the guys who just sort of do it a little bit more of a boring way, I guess. Like Mac yeah. Jones is doing it in a boring way. His team's in first it. place yeah. in his in his division, but but typically typically it's all the always the same guys. The the interesting thing this year, the two guys that are playing real, maybe three guys that are playing really good football that aren't getting enough credit. Uh, Justin Herbert's playing great football. Kirk Cousins is playing great football. Twenty one yeah. touchdowns, two interceptions. Come on, and then uh, and lastly, you know, uh, Matt Matthew Stafford, uh, I think has an opportunity to finish with a great year. But um, but you know that's there's some growing pains there as well. You know, with look him in that new system, and so sometimes it's awesome, and and then sometimes uh, you know it's it look it looks like they're making some mistakes. Yeah, there was a lot of talk about these rookie quarterbacks. I mean, the five quarterbacks there in the first round and. It seemed like right away, Mac Jones, everyone said, that's the perfect fit. That's the perfect fit. New England didn't start off that that well, but now they're on fire. They might be the hottest team in the league. Is he having the best year because of the situation he's in or because he is used to to playing in big-time games? Or what have you seen out of Mac Jones that has allowed him to kind of get past all these other rookie quarterbacks? Yeah, listen, it's a, it's again, I'm stealing from Mike Holmgren again. You know, we're going to put the training wheels on and you got to walk before you can run. And they've brought him along slowly and they're winning football, but he's completing 84% of his passes in the last two games. Like that's absurd. And like where he's really, really special is in a few areas. Third down, he's unbelievably good. Fourth quarter, he's unbelievably good. In red zone, he's unbelievably good. So like those are kind of the things that matter. Sometimes quarterbacks and quarterbacks, uh, people who scout quarterbacks get all excited about like that one play that you might have that might put you on Sports Center top ten. You know, they get all hyped up about that and they don't watch the whole game. And if you watch the whole game, like Steve Young says this, you know, all the time on television, it really doesn't matter what you do from the twenty to the twenty. It matters what you do from the twenty to the end zone. And like that's an over simplistic way to say uh, situational football is is most important, and so I would I would just kind of make it third down in red zone or kind of those key areas. And Mac Jones is the guy that that uh, doesn't always look like super like fancy exotic like cool necessarily, but it's uh, he he certainly have, has been coached up to play winning football. 
Matt, the NFC conference is, is tough when it comes to getting to the playoffs. There's a lot of teams sitting there at five wins. You got Minnesota, New Orleans, San Fran. You got Philly, Carolina. Um, is there any sleeper in the NFC that you're saying, look, man, they might not be talked about right now, but when the season is getting towards an end, look after this organization. Yeah, so listen, Jalen Hurts playing great football in Philly right now, like really good. They're they're five and six. Carolina's five and six. Can Cam Newton really improve in that offense? Can they figure out how to use him? Can he learn the language quick enough? Brand new offense for him. That's really interesting. Uh, you know, another team which you know I hate it pains me to even say this as a uh, as an NFC West team, but San Francisco looked like the old San Francisco last game. Like we got back to like. We're going to run the ball. We're going to call a run more than we call a pass kind of a kind of a system. Like those are three teams that are not in the playoffs right now. And with it being seven teams get in, like could could one of those three teams knock off someone like the New Orleans Saints or the Minnesota Vikings? Like I would think that they could. Hey, Matt, uh, Russell Wilson, after the game on Sunday, kind of had a maybe a little offhand mention, but he said, you know, up-tempo worked pretty well for us in a couple of drives we did towards the end of the halves and, and that such. But for a team that is struggling with time of possession, is trying to change up the tempo a good thing? Or is it just at this point you need to do something to catch a defense off guard and try to find any way possible to make things easier, like you were talking about a little bit earlier? Yeah, no, I agree with what Russell was saying there. I think they look like a much better team when they go no huddle or up temple. And no huddle doesn't have to be hurry. Like there's, it can be no huddle, no hurry. Like it can be also be that. But uh, no, I, I I agree. And yeah, there's the fear. There's the fear of a quick three and out or something like that. But you know, I would argue the way that this offense has been moving at times has been a very quick four and out, three and out, like the way you're doing it. So um, I think even Arizona started the game in, in kind of a no huddle. Typically, people use no huddle as a uh, way to keep the crowd out of it. So like if you see someone come into Seattle and come into Lumen Field and go no huddle, it you should take it as actually a sign of respect that they're nervous or worried about the crowd noise. And uh, and typically what happens is you find it gives the offense an advantage. The defense isn't lined up. They can't really uh, – they don't have time to process your tendencies and some of that kind of stuff. But uh, but I do think I do think that no huddle or, or at least an up tempo is uh, is something that the Seahawks offense uh, looks looks better when they do that. Man, when I look at this Seahawk roster, man, I see ballers, right? I see Russ, I see DK Lockett. Um, you got Diggs, Jamal. Uh, I mean, you look at this roster like there's no reason they should be three and seven. Do you think there's enough personnel wise on this roster to kind of turn this season around, or do you put more of the ownership on the coaching staff to change their philosophy and set these players up for success? Well, I think the defense and the offense are really uh, two different things to me. Um, you know, the offense in particular, like, yeah, there's a ton of talent there, but uh, it, it's got to show up and it's got to, again, I think I just, I, need, I would like to see more precision to that and each guy doing their job. Um, you know, DK Metcalf is a weapon that probably needs a little bit more, um, I guess, opportunities to do what he's doing. Um, you know, to me, like he's special. You look, as I watch film around the league, there's not a lot of people as good as DK. Um, but, but that, that's just, that, that's tough. You know, that's, I'm sure they're all over that defensively. Like there's a saying in de- on defensive coaches have sometimes that I love. And it's, it's, it, it goes something like this. Your love for your teammate can be measured by how close you are to the football when the referee blows the whistle, like pursuit effort, mm-hmm. um, 
just effort. And, and that to me, like if I had a clicker in my hands, I could, I feel like there's more to give, uh, sometimes with that. And, and in particular, probably in the secondary, like, I, I don't know that all the time I'm saying to myself when I'm watching that film, wow, that guy really wanted to make that tackle. There's too many guys standing around at the end of a play for me. Uh, and I'm sure that that's getting addressed. Like, when I played for Seattle for this coaching staff, they addressed it. You know, it was Tell the Truth Monday, and I really appreciated that. Um, my hope would be that Tell the Truth Monday is still a thing. Interesting. Uh, I want to get back to something you said about DK Metcalf there. And, yeah, he is such a special talent, but it seems like maybe because teams are focusing on him, he hasn't gotten a lot of targets, and there's been games where he really hasn't been looked at for long stretches of the time. Do they almost have to kind of Kirk Cousins, Justin Jefferson style, force him the football like it looked like they were doing against the Packers last week with Jefferson just going up and making catches and, and really establish DK, or are there schemes that can just completely shut him down? Yeah, I just think it's you got to you got to maximize your opportunities. I mean, it's tough. Justin Jefferson's maybe the maybe the best receiver in the NFL right now. Like he's absolutely crushing it. Like his numbers are ridiculous. Uh, I mentioned Kirk Cousins, Adam Thielen, Jeff, Justin Jefferson. Like they're, I know their record isn't great. Uh, what are they five and five? But the, he is he is balling out. I don't know that DK is going to get as many opportunities uh, while this team gets back on track. But he needs some opportunities and he needs some touches. And then when you have opportunities, I think there was a fade in the in the in the red zone this past game. Uh, you know he's lined up on the left side. Like there's an opportunity to me for a very similar. Um, you know, throw kind of more of a back shoulder, turn your body away from it for a touchdown opportunity right there, much like the one that Geno Smith hit him on in the other end zone earlier this year. Like there's, there's, there just needs to be a little bit more precision between the people in the passing game in terms of making those plays. Are they capable of it? Sure they are. But you just get one try. You know, it's kind of like making a putt. Like, could you make that putt? Yeah, but you didn't make it when it needed to be made. And, and again, I, you know, I'm not, I'm not trying to throw rocks at anybody, but like essentially – if your team needs to come out of a hole, your best players have to play their best, and they got to they got to make they got to make those opportunities happen and make them count. And uh, and you know this last this last game, it, it it just did not happen last week. Matt, do you worry about as a quarterback? Right, you mentioned getting DK touches. Do you worry about spreading the ball around evenly, or do you just go through your reads and say, "Look, these are my reads. This is what I'm going to go through. If the defense allows me, I'm going to get you the ball." Or sometimes you're just like. 14 needs to eat, 16 needs to eat. I'm just going to give him a chance with this ball. Yeah, it's an art bump. It's an art. Like it's, uh, and, and I think Russell Wilson has done an awesome job of that in his career, just spreading it around, obviously, spreading it around. Go, the ball will find you. The ball goes where the open guy is. However, there's still an art to it. You got to get guys involved. You got to get guys their touches. And that's that's teamwork between the play caller, between the quarterback, Um you know, it, it can even be, even if a guy is not touching the ball, like I just did a breakdown today on Joe Mixon and the Cincinnati Bengals and why Joe Mixon's so unbelievable. I'll tell you why. Those wide receivers are blocking. You know why they're unbelievable at running the ball in San Fran right now? Why they did a great job last week? Those wide receivers are blocking. So, like, there's even an opportunity to, like, if you're not feeding somebody with passes, like, don't let those things go unnoticed. Like, yeah. like hey, that, that scored right there because of you. Um, or, you know, you cleared it out for this guy over here, like those types of, of conversations. And I, and I, and I know, and I know that Russell Wilson is great at that stuff. Great at it. But, but yeah, 
with with wide receivers, it's such a tough position to play. And Randy Moss and I talk about this all the time in commercial breaks on our show. Um, making those, especially those great wide receivers, really feel involved in the game. Like there's there's absolutely an art to that. All right, Matt. Well, we got to dive into plenty more with you. I, I want to get some of your Thanksgiving football memories. I know you just played in one Thanksgiving game with the Seahawks, but just kind of growing up playing football on Thanksgiving and probably dive into a little bit more of this Washington football team matchup coming up on Monday. But this is the Matt Hasselbeck Show on the Mike Salk Show here on 710 ESPN Seattle. The Matt Hasselbeck Show, presented by Infinity of Bellevue and Linwood. Every Wednesday from 9 to 10. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. On 710 ESPN Seattle. All right, our Wally Pip run is coming to an end soon for Michael Bumpus and myself, Mike Lefko. But Matt Hasselbeck is with us, and I wanted to get your thoughts, Matt, and Bump as well, because you guys have played some high-level football in and around Thanksgiving, and for a lot of people, that's what makes Thanksgiving so fun. Makes it such a special holiday because there is so much football on. They, you know, their family meals revolve around watching football on Thursday or these big rivalry games in college. So, Matt, I know you only played in in one Thanksgiving game on the Seahawks, but kind of growing up playing football around Thanksgiving, was it tough to not be with family on that day, or was it just a, kind of a part of your accepted football career? No, listen, guys, I don't know any different. Like, my dad played nine years in the NFL, so Thanksgiving yeah. week, whether he was playing on Thanksgiving or that week, it was just like a work day. You know, definitely no family. In our family, it's just three boys, so it was like the three boys, my mom and dad, and, and that was it, maybe some teammates. Like, I remember Mark Bavaro coming over for Thanksgiving when I was in, like, fifth grade. Uh, my dad was on the New York Giants. But, like, that was just normal. And then growing up in Massachusetts, Thanksgiving Day football games is, like, the huge thing. Like, there's teams that have played here, you know, for 80 years in a row, and it, and it's a thing. And then college, it's football season, Thanksgiving time, NFL, same thing. So I really had not had. Like I was watching the Manning cast the other night and Eli and Peyton Manning were on with Kevin Hart and he was like, oh, you guys don't even like each other. You're not even spending Thanksgiving together. And I could see Peyton and Eli looking at each other like, yeah, we're always playing football. Like Thanksgiving <laughs> is not a family holiday. It's an, it's an invite your teammates over type of holiday. So that was my experience as well. Yeah, during uh, college days, the Apple Cup was usually around Thanksgiving. So I was either in Seattle in a hotel or I was back in, in Pullman um, in the league. I didn't get to play on Thanksgiving, but uh, after after playing football, it's all about that turkey bowl, man. You get with your boys <laughs> and go at it, man. Waking up sore as heck the next day. Hey, no doubt about that. And like we're even doing this thing on Sunday NFL Countdown this week. It's uh, it's like hashtag Turkey Bowl top plays, and like we ask people <laughs> to put on their social media with that hashtag their top plays from there. Like a you got mossed or a come on man or a Sports Center top ten, and and we're gonna put it on there. And it's amazing to see like some people are playing their turkey bowl in the street, some people are playing on a real football field, some people are in the front yard. There's there's moms and grandmothers and little kids and dogs. It, it's it's pretty awesome. But in the NFL, like, you know, it is a thing like inviting your teammates over uh, those people that don't have family around or maybe single guys or whatever. And, and that's that is kind of nice. You still have that time. You get to watch football or go over a coach's house or something like that. But I remember one time I think we played it down in Dallas on Thanksgiving and. 2008 and it was like i said it wasn't a great year but to make it even worse mike holmgren we're flying home we're flying home like you know on delta or something and mike holmgren decides to have the airline do thanksgiving on the plane ride home so like nothing against airline food but it was like airline turkey with airline mashed potatoes and airline cranberry sauce and it was you know it just kind of came to you like like 
like an like it would on an airplane and he was so happy that he went through so much effort and i remember like the guys on the team kind of like yeah we could have just waited <laughs> till we got back we could have just done it tomorrow um so it was it was a little bit of a swing and a miss but uh, a good effort yeah that sounds like a dry not appealing kind of thanksgiving meal Certainly after yeah. that loss, I imagine, too. Yeah, and in like a middle seat, you know, <laughs> yeah. kind of thing, coming back, you know, as a team. And we got spanked. It was it was just uh, – it wasn't, it wasn't not my favorite Thanksgiving, I guess, I would say. Yeah, so my, my only football playing experience was that, the, the turkey bulls out in the yard or in the snow. So uh, I, I appreciate that. And I wish, I wish there was that kind of fame back when I was playing because I believe I could have sent it in and had a submission. But I think I'm too old now. I don't know. Well, I, no, I be too you're, old not too old. you're not too old. And with an iPhone or, a, you know, any kind of phone, or a drone, you know, footage. Like, it's, it's pretty wild. Pretty much, it doesn't have to be the best play. It just has to be the best video quality kind of thing, you know? So, oh, uh, so you guys are probably going to get some drone footage. That would be I, I, like we all do, 22 we, from a Thanksgiving we, we, football game. Yeah, no, listen, that's what, that's what people send in sometimes. But the best ones are one like a guy will score and he'll have no room to, like, slow down. So he'll have to jump over a picnic table or something like that. It's, uh, <laughs> it's pretty funny. Are you playing bump, bump, bump when they score? We so we learned about Michael Bumpus's touchdown song, is bump bump oh. bump. But uh, I didn't know if that's a. You well, I, I would say that. this: like, if I was given advice to get on the show, like the people that wear a jersey, like a throwback jersey or whatever, yeah. it's easier for us to sort of commentate it when it gets on the top play. Mm. You know, like there's one where it's like. You know, Johnny Manziel's trying to tackle Josh Cribbs and Teddy Bruschi's trying to make the tackle, and then Donovan McNabb makes the interception. It's like, you know, like when you go out and play in a turkey bowl, like what do you wear? Some people just wear a hooded sweatshirt. If you have a jersey, I would throw that on over because I think it I think it helps your chances of getting on TV. So what you're actually saying is if you're wearing a Hasselbeck jersey, you will most definitely uh, get listen, on TV. If you catch a touchdown pass and a Hasselbeck jersey or <laughs> intercept like a pick six and you are the one who intercepted it, that would uh uh, that, if I, that, you'll get my vote. I know that. There you go. Oh. There you go, listeners. That's how you get on. Hey, Matt, are your kids, uh, what were they like when it comes to football and turkey bowl and, and just, you know, being Matt Hasselbeck's kids? You know, what, what's it like for them? I, they've, they've grown up in a different existence. Like I said, like really – Thanksgiving and Christmas were sort of just work days. And so yeah. my kids, when I retired from playing football about five years ago, they, it was like this whole new experience for them. Like, you know, going to grandma and grandpa's house, like that was not something that they ever really got to experience. Their experience was mostly my teammates are coming over. Usually my younger teammates are coming over and they would love it because what it would end up being was my teammates were like the guys who were like the experts at Mario. Card or Xbox yeah. or whatever, and so like for my kids, it was like, oh sweet, all the young people are coming over to teach us how to like get to the next level of this game or whatever. In fact, I remember one year, bump, you might have been part of this group. I, I can't remember. I know Roy Lewis was uh, at a UW. My kids and like the rookies beat the game uh like one of the super mario games like they won the game like so the the young wide receivers and dbs and tight ends came over and they won whatever yeah. the super mario game was that year and my my kids uh will never forget it that's awesome so they were like the cool teammates like you you probably didn't have time to focus on those video games but yeah I, your kids are having fun with these guys 
it's like a hundred percent. Even at the end of my career, when uh, well, like Andrew Luck was the other quarterback in Indianapolis with me, Andrew Luck was closer in age to my kids than he was to, in age to me, and so it wasn't even necessarily video games. Like Andrew would be the one like helping them with their homework because he was like recently out of school. You know, like the Pythagorean <laughs> theorem was like you know like on the tip of his tongue. You know, he was he was all about it. <laughs> well, so. Yeah, he was also Andrew Luck and went to Stanford, so that's not a bad option. I can imagine. Yeah. Good tutor. Free free tutoring from uh, the Stanford guys. Always always a plus. Well, Matt, you were telling some good stories there, and I want to get into that a little more. We are curious to know your best teammates or coaches that you have had on Thanksgiving. So when we come back with our rank segment, we want your your, uh, top teammates or coaches to have over or to go to their place on Thanksgiving. So these will be some interesting ones. Hopefully the listeners uh, enjoy that one. Chime in. Texters, if you have an interesting Thanksgiving story as well, 206-421-3776. We'll come back and wrap it up with Matt Hasselback with our ranked segment. It's the Mike Salk Show on 710 ESPN Seattle. Got a list? Time to put it in order. Fred Dwumfor's house. Top five. Top five meals that I have ever had. This is ranked. To be honest, that list was really biased. Brought to you by Carter Volkswagen. Every morning at 945 on the Mike Salk Show. That top ten list. I'm not buying that. Ranked. Mike Lefko, Michael Bumpus, and Matt Hasselbeck with you wrapping up the show. All right, Matt, so we heard some sound. Martellus Bennett had to choose between an invite to Tom Brady's house or Devin McCourty for Thanksgiving. And he said McCourty because he he was worried Brady would have tofu turkey and avocado ice cream and that, well, yeah, McCourty's would probably be better. So in honor of that, we want to know (laughs) who – well, that makes sense, right? I mean, hey, beauty is in the eye of the beholder. It's all all about what you're looking for. I mean, it's probably not often that Tom Brady gets dissed. You know, he invites someone over his house and gets dissed, but – uh, it's Thanksgiving. Probably like, no gotta, video games there either. Well, you got to read the coverage. You, yeah. gotta, you get all these invites. It's like a prom <laughs> invite. You got to kind of read the coverage, play your hand. It's uh, it's a real thing. So when you when you were here in Seattle, who were your top five Thanksgiving hosts? So listen, I we were always hosting because we were like twelve months a year uh, in Seattle type. Where like that was our family. A lot of people live elsewhere in the off season, but this is how I ranked them. Okay, like if I was some random player on the Seahawks. You know, sort of hedging my bet for the the invites. Number five would be an invite from your coach or a coach. And I don't know what it is about coaches. You guys know, like sometimes it's like a you know seeing your teacher on on a day off. Like yeah. like oh, you're a real person. Like I, there's like like socializing is like this hard thing. But having said <laughs> that, I did go to a Jim Zorn's house for for Thanksgiving one time, and it was an awesome, awesome, maybe one of the best Thanksgivings I ever had. But it felt like more players were turning down the offers from their coach than they were accepting them because there's like that weirdness factor but uh no need for it but they, they get number five <laughs> that makes sense it really does who wants to watch film on thanksgiving right <laughs> uh, all right. Hey, you want number four? Yeah. You want yeah. Number four? You go to okay, number four. four mm-hmm. I'm going to go with like the invite from the quarterbacks. So like in Seattle when I was there, whether it was Heward or Hasselbeck or Dilfer or whatever, like the quarterback invite is a pretty safe bet. Like it maybe isn't like it's not in the top three necessarily, but it's a pretty safe bet. You know, you're going to have uh, – you know, the wives are going to be all over it while we're all at work. We're going to come home. It's going to be on time, on schedule. There'll be kind of fun activities, probably very kid-friendly. 
Um, and if you're like a wide receiver and you play video games with my kids, you're probably going to get more opportunities in the passing game. Like I'm going <laughs> to, it's going to come back to you. There's, there's some benefits there. You'll get looks in the red zone. I can, uh, whether conscious or subconscious, it's definitely going to happen. See, that's, yeah. that's where I messed up. I should have went to your house oh, for Thanksgiving. Comes out now. Yeah, you, 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 you went with one of the top three. I'm, I'm betting. And you probably went top two, uh, knowing you, Michael. Well, now I'm curious. I got to hear what, what this top three is. I thought quarterbacks would be higher, but okay. So I'm curious. It's very competitive. Yeah. Listen, uh-huh. and here's the thing: our, like I said, the coaches, like Jim Zorn's, was awesome as a coach. His was awesome, but that's just number five. The quarterback Thanksgivings were amazing. I can promise you, they were like the best of the best, from turkey to salmon to like we had it all, everything. But still, just number four, number four on the list. Too too hard to crack the top three. All right. Well, let's get to it. I'm. Breathless here. I'm just uh, so much anticipation waiting <laughs> yeah, for number three. Yeah, you sound it. You sound yeah. it. All right, number three, the O line invite. Oh, uh, the O like the O line mm. takes their food so Guys seriously. Eat. You know, like I, I'm thinking probably Steve Hutchinson. Like if you follow him on Instagram now, like he takes his cooking and his preparation and all of it so seriously. But it could be Tobek. It could have been Chris Gray. It could have been it. You know, Walter Jones was never really a hoster. He was like the bring the pecan pie guy. And he loves pecan pie, like loves it. He's a connoisseur when it comes to pecan pie. But I, I would just say the offensive line in general, um, just really, they take their food so seriously. So, like, if you really want that great Thanksgiving experience, O line top three. Not, not they're not one or two, but they're they're, uh, they're they're on the podium. I guess is what I would say. They're on the podium. Bump, did he get you? Did you go to one of these yet? You not yet. Line Thanksgiving. Uh, not yet. I must okay. be top two. Okay. Yeah, you're a top two guy. That's what I said. Okay. Like, uh, you know, I, I, that's what I'm thinking. But again, you can't go wrong. You pick an O line dinner, uh, an O line Thanksgiving. Like, you're you're doing well. You're doing well. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. Let's get to it. Number two. All right. Number two, the the fun house. Okay. Lofa Tatupu. No <laughs> doubt about it. <laughs> you know, like there's even like buses when you go to the game. There's like bus one and bus two. Bus one's usually the guys on offense. Bus two is usually the guys on defense or the fun bus. You know, like bus one's quiet. Guys got headphones on. Bus two's like music's playing. You know, people are talking. Lofa Tatupu's house is like the, the the fun house. You know, there was there was food and beverage at that house. I would I would I would say. Um, so Lofa, like I think, is the leader of the defense uh, most of the years that I was there. Is that middle linebacker? He was kind of the the life of the party and uh, just a great leader. And and uh, again, took Thanksgiving very seriously. But that was that was the place to be. And and I only know this really because I was there for like Monday night football parties and like that kind of stuff. But um, Lofa's house definitely solid, solid choice, top two. And, I, and I'm thinking Michael Bumpus. He's he might even be a gold medalist. He might he might have been top one, but if he was at the silver medalist party, Thanksgiving Day party, then I I could see that as well. I was at I I was at a fun house. I was at a fun house. It wasn't Lofa's fun house though. It was after this list. I'll tell you, and you you'll probably agree, man. Do you agree with my list so far? I'm just curious how I'm doing here. Yeah, it's on point. I'm feeling it. Okay. Okay. All right. Is there a big fanfare for number one, or just we get right to it? Number one is sort of like a combination of all of these. Really, it's really a combination of like uh, one, two, three, and four. It's just got, it's like it's got a lot of fun. It's got a lot of great food, taking the food seriously, and then like the you know got, got a little bit of um, like they know what they're doing uh, to them in, in an amazing house too, by the way, which which plays into this a little bit. But you got something for everybody. 
Nate Burleson. Nate Burleson's house, <laughs> local kid. And I thought about putting Marcus Trufant in here, but when I was there, they were neighbors. So, like, they literally were next door. So it was kind of like the same thing, same oh, neighborhood. Wow. Same, yeah. Uh-huh. Kind of go from this house to that house, kind of share a backyard. Uh, but Nate B., Nate Natoya, um, Marcus True, and Jessica, like, that was a – that was definitely the place to be. Like, if, if your coach invited you, but you also had an invite hanging out from Nate, it was like, ah, oh, sorry, coach. You know, I, I you know, I, I already said yes to, to someone else. I, I appreciate it, but um, that, they get the number one spot. But again, like O line, you're on the podium. You know, no disrespect. Yeah. But that, that's that's my list. And and in the worlds of Earl Thomas, to be honest, that that list might be a little bit biased. <laughs> Do you agree with that, Bump? I mean, is that kind of where you fall hey, in line in there? Nate B is where I was at, Burleson's house, man. Hey! Yeah. yeah. Nate Burleson, Marcus was next door. I believe Peterson was like two doors down from that, too, at the time. Yeah, uh, that's yeah. right. Whenever Nate that's B right. invited me out, it was Nate B and Dion Branch. Whenever those dudes oh, invited yeah, yeah. me out, I said, wifey, I'm gone. I might see you tomorrow. Well, now hey, we know. what do you mean you're gone? You bring the wifey. What are you talking about? Uh, you know, there's times when you don't bring the wifey. There's times when you do. You know, Thanksgiving, you bring the wifey. <laughs> hey, we just can't go play here at golf the very or end something. Of the show. <laughs> no, I'm talking about hey, golf. Hey, hey, that, that was golf. a test. That was a test. <laughs> and, and you failed. Uh-oh. You failed the test. Uh, four hours of talking is just too much. Bump, you just got in trouble. Uh-oh. Uh, she's not, she don't listen. It's all okay, good. Okay, that's good. All right, well, Matt, thank you. I mean, that was a great list. You, you got Bump to reveal his uh, secret Thanksgivings and, and all that. But uh, th- thanks for joining us today. It was a hey, great it was time. good to be with you guys. And uh, listen, have a have a very happy Thanksgiving. Good luck in the in the turkey bowls if you do that. And, and if you are trying for the hashtag turkey bowl top, plays make sure you stretch out we don't need any a uh, lot of emergency room visits on thanksgiving or the day before so everyone be safe out there and uh, activate those muscles and wear a hasselback jersey <laughs> any jersey any doesn't jersey. doesn't need to be my jersey any any recognizable jersey yeah the well, older the better <laughs> well thanks matt it, it was fun all right great to talk to you guys you too all right, man take care bump i think we've come to an end it's been fun man man we did a uh, what four hours in the game. I, yeah. I, I hats off to, to Justin and Dooley and Salk who do this in the morning every morning, six to ten. You guys are the real MVPs because I need to take a nap. Yeah. Hey, appreciate you. You guys are great. Thanks, Mora. Thanks, Justin. You guys Mike are pros. Salk will be back on Monday. We got some fun shows Thursday and Friday here on the Mike Salk Show. Some special stuff coming your way. But up next, it's Jake and Stacy here on seven ten ESPN Seattle.